Hey, everybody, what's up? It's Chase. Welcome to another episode of the show uh, in the United States. We're about to dive into Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving weekend, and I promised last week to capture a bunch of questions that you all had. So I submitted a link out there in the world, and well, let's say that there was an overwhelming response, and it just makes me feel so good about this community when you all have questions and when I can be helpful. So uh, I want to establish before I get into the answers, there were so many great questions first. Second, in vetting through, I listened to every single one. So thank you. And in vetting these and trying to decide which of the hundreds that came in to answer in today's episode, I think I'm going to make actually two episodes of this because there's so many good questions. Um, I obviously could not answer all of them, but what I did do is uh, myself and NASA, I got to give NASA credit. She helped me organize this in the back end was we grouped them. So if you do not hear your question answered, know that I have tried to pick one question that would uh, do a great job of encompassing uh, many other questions that were sort of embedded in there. So I tried to be strategic with the questions that I answered. And again, love the fact that this community comes together in times like this to ask questions. And in listening to all these questions, we are helping one another and listening to the answers. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode, the gobble gobble uh, turkey episode where I'm the turkey doing everything I can to uh, answer your questions. And without further ado, this first question is from Yulitha. Hi, Chase. Thank you so much for opening up this Q&A. I have two questions for you. The first one is about social media and sharing our work. Of course, that's social media is, is the, the thing, the primary thing I would say that we use to put our new work out there or to um, promote our ourselves. I've primarily used Instagram to share my work, writing long form essays, but I, I saw that the landscape of Instagram was changing. And so I kind of pivoted with that. I changed with that. And so I created a website. And just this past year, I started a free newsletter. My biggest question, though, is that I've noticed social media is even more of a moving target than ever. And so I wanted to know what are some best practices for our work to still be seen and not get lost in the algorithm? And then my second question has to do with the newsletter itself. I sent out a free newsletter and I'm kind of still in the beginning stages of it. I've only sent out three, I have to admit. <laughs> but at what point do I switch to a subscription service or do I? All right. Awesome set of questions. And I will try and tackle those um, sort of rapid fire in such a way that it's, it, it, again, it's, there's a complicated response here. I'm going to try and do my best to simplify it. Now, uh, at the very beginning, you talked about how social media is changing. Social media will always change. So if you are not prepared to adjust your, um, your habits or the way that you package content to continue to evolve as all of these platforms evolve, then um, you're chasing your tail and you're going to find that you, you very quickly drop off. Um, your your views, followers, engagement generally. So the nature of social media is it to, for it to always be changing. And yes, it is a, an effective way of, you know, growing an audience, reaching new audience. 
but you have to play the game. You have to be willing to rather play the game. And if adaptation and evolution and iteration are not parts of what you want to do, then I think you need to take a really close look at that because that is in fact part of the paradigm. So let's assume for the sake of this discussion that you're willing to do that work. In which case, I love the idea of using social media to get your work out there. I like to choose platforms that are best suited for the media that you choose. It's also an interesting hack to be able to adapt your medium to a a less expected medium. Um, If you're a writer, for example, how can you use your writing and adapt it, for example, on TikTok? Now, that may be an interesting challenge to you. It may not be, but I think it's it's overall um, a reasonable way to look at how do I increase the footprint that I have out there in the world? Because as you said early, this is how, you know, one of the ways that we use social media to get our work out there. So first of all, you know, put a pin in that, take all that and, you know, understand how you want to, to, um, grow. Second thing is I would like to recommend that you be very specific. People are talking about just growing their social media platform very generically. As more followers equals better. Well, I also like to think of if you do the things that are specific to you, then you will attract a certain audience and that audience is more likely to like your work the way that you are. So if you try and be something you're not on social media, that is a kiss of death. So I need you to double down on who you are and lean into that and having a thousand followers that are the right followers versus 10,000 followers that is just a mishmash that you bought or assembled. That is a, I think a fool's errand. So being authentic and having a small and committed social following is better. If there are clients out there in the world, I want you to specifically be targeting them in the DMS and whatnot. Find people who are likely to buy your license or hire you to do something. Those are people that you might want to correspond with and share your work with very overtly on the, the communication portions of uh, social channels. Also, building community of your work around your work (laughs) is also very important. This is commenting, liking, engaging with other people that are in your industry. That is one way that you can continue to expand, get your work out there uh, amongst your peers, and you never know who is listening and or watching on social channels. That is part of the benefit of them. Now let's address the newsletter. I do think that building a, what are, in the business called wholly owned audience where you basically own all of their information because you correspond with them directly via their email. They have volunteered. They have given voluntarily their information to you. That means they want to hear from you. So building out your newsletter to use your, your language is also very advisable. Now you mentioned that you've only got a few under your belt. I think that subscri- subscription services are best served down the road if you decide that you want to continue this in earnest and monetize an existing audience. I think trying to grow an audience and monetize from day one is a mistake. So um, in short, yes to the newsletter. Uh, It sounds like you like that medium, continue writing. I do like using social to distribute it, but what other ways can you use to build your email list? There are proven methods giving free Um, assemblies of your work or things of value to a community who might exchange their email address for a thing of value that you give them is a great recipe. Now, last thing I'll say is something you opened with is best practices. Now, I'm always 
wary of best practices because they are usually things that become quote best practices by being run into the ground by big corporations. And that tends to define what a best practice is where I like you to be, where I want to be is in doing something that works for me and like my, my, um, my community. So best practices, it might be, you know, 180 degrees from what, uh, Intel does with their email newsletters. It yours could be cheeky and fun and short and, you know, interrupt them in, instead of just, you know, just give them a coupon or something. So be wary of best practices, definitely build your newsletter. I don't love charging for it on social. Yes. Build your social, build it places where you feel the most comfortable and where you can be you and where the medium is natural and, or hack a new platform, hack your media, your style of creativity into a new medium. That's also really interesting. So Whew, lots of lots of uh, info there. Hope that helps. And now I'm going to move on to the next one. The next one is from Jess. Let's hear what Jess has to say. Hi, Chase. Uh, thank you so much for allowing me to submit a question. I am an avid consumer of your podcast, and I am convincing everybody else I know to listen to it as well. So thank you for creating awesome content. Um, I am actually a photographer, and I've been doing this part-time while also raising my two kids and homeschooling them. Um, they're teenagers now, they're 16 and 14, and I have a little bit of extra time. So I'm actually looking to combine my photography with my other passion, which nobody knows about, which is writing poetry. And I have really never shared my poetry, but I'm thinking that at 47 years old, I'm a little bit too old to be scared of anything anymore. So I kind of want to find a way to combine these two things, and I have absolutely no idea. Um, I have a lot of confidence in my photography skills, but zero confidence as a writer and a lot of imposter syndrome going on. So any ideas you have for me as far as how to proceed from here, I'd be really interested in hearing your input. So thank you. Awesome. All right, Jess, great question. Um, first of all, I love that notion of I'm getting too, too on in my years to be scared. And I think that's, that's a really cool concept for anyone out there who is concerned like Jess is like get to work and specifically get to work sharing it. It sounds like you've been doing the work and not putting it out there in the world. Of course, this is a good time for me to plug my book, creative calling, because the most important piece, actually not the the most important, but a very important piece is the last piece of the creative process. I D E A imagine design execute. And then amplify is actually sharing your work because there's value in there. Not just the feedback that you get, but it's sort of honoring the work such that you understand how you feel about it being out there in the world. And you don't have to share everything, but I would love to see you sharing not just your photography where you're confident, but also your poetry. I have a number of ideas on how to combine them. One is using the word section of all of the social media to embed your poetry and put the visuals for in the visuals. Instagram, for example, how can you post a picture and then have a poem attached to the caption? Like the same is true for all sorts of other platforms, right? How can you put the words in the caption, the visuals in the visual slot? Also, you could put the words of your poetry over the top of your photography. And I love continuing to hone both of these skills, the photography skill and the writing skill, putting them together sometimes, but not all the time. But most importantly, and this is the punchline from my response to you, is you said it yourself, it's too late to be scared. Let's just get to work. This idea of creating and sharing, creating and sharing. 
do that. Follow the Andy Warhol quote, right? While other people are busy judging your work, you're focused on creating more work. There's all kinds of science behind this. The more work you create and put out there in the world, the better you become as a creator, the, the muscles and all of the other downstream benefits of putting your work out in the world. People start to understand, know who you are and can license, purchase, hire, etc. you as a creator. So hope that's helpful. Really excited to hear that you've, you've uh, summoned the courage to get to work. Now, my ask of you is to double down combine the words and pictures, do pictures by themselves, do words by themselves, grow both of those. You will start to find affinities for the ones that you prefer and how you like to combine them and then continue to double down on what makes you feel good. And if you're looking to build an audience for your work, what the audience responds to. All right, moving on to the next question. We allowed anonymous questions. This one is anonymous. Hey, Chase. I guess the question I wanted to ask was if you're kind of starting out in your journey just to be kind of a creative person and you really don't have much resources, where can you kind of start to kind of get some momentum uh, with what you're doing, with the art you want to share or whatever you've captured via your camera lens uh, or thoughts or, you know, how, how do you get it out to public or I guess starting a website would be one thing, but, you know, how do you do that if you've never done that before and what's the easiest, or I don't want to say easiest, but uh, a more practical way of uh, getting started. Thanks. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. And I want you to know that you're not alone. Uh, I think a lot of folks find themselves in that position. And I also don't blame you for wanting to be anonymous. Uh, just know that when you start to find the courage to not be anonymous, that that will help other people connect with you because that is a vulnerability. And saying my name is, you know, you know, Jim Smith and, you know, I'm whatever, 39 years old, and this is the challenge I have, I think that it makes other people connect with you. So that's just an observation. Um, that would be, I guess, my psychological recommendation, psycho-emotional recommendation, but specifically to the point of, um, of lack of resources. What I would ask you to ask yourself is, do you have a lack of resources or are you potentially dwindling in a lack of resourcefulness? And, you know, if you are passionate or curious or excited about something, um, I would encourage you to double down on those things and then start to share those everywhere you can. Every single person on the internet starts with zero followers. And this is true on every social platform. If you do not know very much or maybe even anything about social media, there are all kinds of classes that you can take. Specifically, I would point you to Creative Live, the platform that I founded and built over 12 years. There are classes there for a hundred bucks a year. You can get access to thousands of courses that will teach you about social media. Assuming you have some base knowledge, do you have your handle set up on a number of these platforms? Are you putting that stuff out in the world? And are you participating in the community? Are you doing what I call, again, I'm going to point me back to my book, Creative Calling, the other 50%. Are you engaging with other people, other like-minded folks? Are you following and liking and sharing their work? And in tune, or in, in turn, are you uh, using those platforms as an opportunity to share your work with others? That would Those would be questions that I ask. And when I talk about resources, this costs $0. This costs time, but it costs $0 to have a handful of social media accounts and to create work and share it. Now, if your resources are you want to build rockets and fly to Mars, I think you have 
And that may be something you want to do, but I would not start there. I would start with sharing your vision, sharing, you know, pitch decks about the vision that you have to build a company. And I would share it with anyone who would listen and I would join, um, work groups and, um, you know, LinkedIn people follow them and share the pitch deck that you have on raising money to build markets, to build rockets, to fly to Mars, for example. So, um, you can do this. This is my punchline for you is you can do this. I feel like there may be a story in your head about resources being the confining factor, assuming you're not trying to build rockets, but I gave you a pathway even if you are. So in all other cases, what can you do to get to work, put your work out there? It does not cost a thing, but it costs time. And what time is, is a commitment. You have to decide, right? What Saying I don't have time is what you're really saying. I don't have enough energy, momentum, desire to do this thing. And look inside to find out if that's what's really going on or if there's something different. Now I'd, I'd bet donuts to dollars that there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of that going on. So good luck. I'm super excited and enthusiastic and proud of you for asking the question, submitting it in this forum. Now uh, it's back to you to get to work. All right. We're going to keep on trucking. This next one is from Alice. Hi, Chase. Uh, my question is, how can we be more social to find our creative scene in the post-pandemic world where interactions still feel uncomfortable? Thank you. Great question. Very practical. Uh, and I would agree. I was out at a function celebrating something with some family. And it was the first like really long presentation sort of style dinner that I've been at with family. And I watched mm -hmm. A lot of people, maybe even myself included, be uncomfortable. Like, wow, I'm, I'm like, this is a really kind of unfamiliar um, environment to be in. And the question I would put back to you, which I, I believe has a reasonably obvious answer, is what do you do when something feels uncomfortable? How do you get more comfortable doing it? And you're right, right? It's just repetition. You have to actually get comfortable doing this again. And if you then say, well, yeah, I'm comfortable being social, being out there in the world, talking to like-minded people, or other artists or creators or entrepreneurs or whatever it is that you're trying to build, but other people aren't ready yet. Well, you know what? It turns out there are people who are excited and enthusiastic. And the way that you might find them is by joining groups. Even if you join a group, if you just literally type in, I love Needlepoint, Seattle, um, work groups or Needlepoint Seattle community, I'm I'm guessing that you're going to find other like-minded people who meet once a month, once a week, once a month or once a week. Um, and again, this goes back to an earlier question that I got to around building community and the other 50%. 50% of your work as an artist, as an entrepreneur is building the thing that you're building. And the other 50% is living a life that revolves around that stuff engaging with your community, building a following, building an audience that is, uh, will be ready for your work when you put it out there, which I encourage you to do on a regular basis. So summary, you gotta do what you can with what you have now. If you are uncomfortable, work that muscle and gain comfort and gain confidence around, uh, around interacting with others. If you can do this physically and online, that would be to me the right way of trying to approach it. Um, but in short, you got to get to work and the way you build a muscle that you don't have or one that has atrophied is to do more of that work. All right, then. Thank you very much for sharing. 
let's keep on trucking. This next one is Horacio. Hi, Chase. So my question was, when was the last time you did something and you surprised yourself with the result from like a positive point of view? Thanks. My goal in answering this is to uh, throw you a little bit of a curveball because I think you're you're asking about creative work. And the thing that I did that surprised myself is related to that, but it's not actually the thing. And this is why I'm going to try and put a little twist in my response based on what I think you were getting at in your question. That is, I, uh, with my wife, Kate, adopted a new puppy. Now, one thing that I think is interesting is, of course, there are so many things to do in when we have a big, hairy, audacious goal or we have a dream and it, that the list of things to do around that dream or focus on that dream are long. The list is long and myriad. And so why I'm answering this question with a new puppy instead of, you know, I, whatever, got a new, you know, contract for another book or whatever is because part of what makes us great artists and great creators is to have an interesting life. And in saying yes to getting a puppy to adopting, his name is Bodie. Um, there are pictures of him on my Instagram. <laughs> if you care to go look, he is very cute. So beware. Um, but what I, I developed a yet another um, depth in my personal life experience. I have not, I've, you know, we've had pets before, but not dogs. And we have rarely had to commit as much time and energy to raising a little pup as we are in this moment. And it is making me get up early. It is making me, you know, connect with other species on this planet. It has given me a new perspective for an, an empathy and an ability to connect with others. It has developed me even in this last, you know, we've basically had them for six weeks or something. It has been profound. And so that is the thing that surprised me. The result, I thought it was just going to be difficult for a while and then it was going to be good, but it's really in the difficulty, in the struggle that I have found all sorts of positivity, not just the love and connection with another little critter, but learning things about myself and, you know, relating, cultivating empathy and connection with others and those around me, my wife, Kate, et cetera. It has been awesome. So hopefully that is, that answers your question and there's a little twist that's embedded in there. So again, <laughs> if you want to see pictures of Bodhi, he is extremely cute and you can find him on my Instagram. Thanks for that Horatio. And now we're going to go to Brian K. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And happy today to you, Chase. My question was, there a time in your career where you questioned your creative calling, uh, i.e. am I on the path that my soul contract has for me? And how did you conclude the question? That, my friend, is what I have, and I'm looking forward to hearing your process on that. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Awesome question, Brian. So early on in my photography career, I liked I liked photography. That was just it. It was a passion. It was an interest, and, um, and I was not professional in any capacity. And I had just curiosity, just interest. I was taking pictures. I had even actually sold some fine art in the photography space. And at some point I was like, man, I really love these, these pictures. But, you know, I, through reading artist biographies and, and envisioning the pictures in my mind that I had for myself for this one precious life, I was 
sort of allowing this cultural narrative to seep into my thinking and my process and and I'll say my soul which was that wow photography is it's just like it's so accessible anyone can do it all you have to have is a camera and you can point your camera at something and you know I was a little bit confused and when I thought of myself in my mind I was more of an artiste as opposed to just an artist and so what did I do? I questioned my calling around photography. I was loving it. I was like, oh, maybe this is not, you know, quote, creative enough, or um, I couldn't be unique enough. And we all know that that's BS. Um, and if you don't, then again, you should read my book and you should listen to about 500 podcasts uh, that I've recorded because you will quickly learn that that's not how I believe. That's not what I believe. But again, here I said, okay. Well, what would some, what, what did, what was this picture that I had real or fake, or, you know, I'm just trying to experience this picture that I had in my mind of what being more creative or something that would not be something that other people could pick up and blah, blah, blah. So I started painting. I, with my brother-in-law, uh, we got a studio together. Um, we rented a space and I started painting. And at first I was painting oils. I was taking lessons from another studio mate on you know, color and light and all these things that have to do with painting because I somehow thought that was more virtuous or more acceptable for my, you know, precious creative life. And what I found was, wow, this is very interesting. I'm learning a lot about color and composition and, uh, and light through a different medium. And it feels fancy. Um, I have all these very expensive paints and I have to wait a long time for in between adding layers to this. Um, but I noticed in myself a little sort of an impatience. I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe, you know, painting is is awesome, of course. And, well, maybe I'll go to acrylics because that's painting, but it's a little bit faster. And and in short, I chased my tail from, oh, photography is not the right thing. But let's try oil painting. Oh, oil painting has got all these drawbacks for me personally. So let's go to acrylics. Acrylics. And then I started just realizing that, man, what a well, even acrylics are a little bit slow. I want them to dry faster and I want, and, and then I was like, huh, maybe it is photography that I like. And ultimately, well, I, I stopped painting and turned a part of that studio into a dark room and started developing my own film and, you know, blowing all that stuff up and making prints on the enlarger. And I fell back in love with the process of photography and all the things that go with it. Uh, so what the takeaway, the key takeaway here is that I did not try and intellectualize my, the, the questioning of my creative calling from the couch. I took action and I, I can say looking backwards that I took action now as an instinct and as a lack of patience and not necessarily as a wise, you know, virtue, but I, I don't know how old you are or how much wisdom you have uh, accumulated over the years, but looking backwards, this is something that I know is that my understanding of what was great for me and what I wanted to be doing came through action. I actually did other things besides photography rather than tried to rationalize it or be irrational around it in my brain. I just tried a bunch of other stuff. And it was in the doing of other things that I realized how much passion I had for photography and, uh, and what things I could do to move that photography forward, like ending up having a darkroom and being able to print photos and 
all that other stuff. So it was in the doing that I found out, A, that photography was my thing, and B, what are some next steps to do to grow in the area that I really have curiosity and passion. All right. Uh, great question. I hope you found that answer valuable. Uh, let's keep moving on. We're going to move on to Jennifer. Good morning, Chase. I have been really curious and wishing to know a bit more about what it's been like for you to be removed from photography. I know that you're not technically removed from it, but there was a time in your life where you were actively working behind the camera and you made that transition into creative live. And then you've since even evolved even more. I personally worked as a photographer for the last 20 years and I took a big chance to do a passion project. I was never expecting having to sort of almost step away from being behind the camera to see through this project. And that has led me on this crazy journey that's gotten me even further away from the one thing that made me feel whole and complete, which was working the camera. So I'm feeling a little lost, trying to follow through, and really just wanting to know if if someone like yourself has kind of gone through that too. Jennifer, great question. Happy to answer very transparently. Um, there were some naturally as you know, in communicating, we carry our own stories around, uh, and they filter the way we see the world. And I think it's interesting that in looking at m some of my decisions, what I heard in your voice was huh, that, that I somehow stepped away from photography, not as a personal choice, but as sort of, sort of necessity because I started creative live and that's actually not true. Um, what I, I feel like I've talked about this, but I'm happy, you know, there's thousands and tens of thousands of pieces of content out there that you, you may have missed, but I will also admit that I wasn't, I didn't really hit this nail on the head very publicly and very, um, in a widespread way, mostly because I was doing the same stuff that you're doing right now. I was questioning my decisions. I was wondering if this is like, why am I doing this? And, and the punchline of doing this is that I, I had done thousands of photo shoots. I mean, I had traveled many, many millions of airline miles. I had shoot shot with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of the world's top brands. I had, I had essentially done what I wanted to do in photography. I felt like I had contributed. I had helped people think differently about mobile photography. Uh, I had helped people, the, the idea of behind the scenes videos didn't exist. And so that was one of the things that I wanted to do. And that's one of the ways I made my mark. So I, I started like looking around like, man, I've done a lot of the things that I wanted to do. And when just speaking my truth is that I actually was burned out. I was tired. Now, I didn't want to say that at the time very publicly. I just started doing other things like, you know, building uh, the best camera app and building Creative Live and, um, you know, making television commercials and, you know, all, all kinds of other stuff that you perceived. But I was doing that because I was interested in other things. I was interested in evolving. That's not to say I wanted to hang up the camera for good. But I just wasn't getting the juice. I had, again, done what I wanted, made um, stupid amounts of money, traveled the world, gone to you know 80 different countries on the planet doing photography. And when I realized that 
I'm on set. I've got multiple helicopters in the air as a part of this production. And I've got all my friends around me and I'm, you know, halfway around the world getting paid great. And I was not excited anymore that I needed to evolve. So the way, the reason I put all that like that is one, because I needed to move on as a part of my career. I have not you know, I have not turned my back on the camera. In fact, in two weeks, I'm going on a shoot to Mexico and I'm incredibly excited about this shoot. So what I do now is I do the right amount of photography with the right projects that light me up. And I'm guessing I may get some increase about my availability for a new upcoming photography project. If there's someone listening in the, in the community works for a brand. Sure. I, I would say I'm open for business. My, my shingle is out there, but I I still do it. I just do not make it my primary thing. And I have chosen to actively move away from putting it out there as my primary thing because it's not. And I do not want to represent that I am a person that I'm not or I'm interested in things that are less of a priority for me. So what you all in the community are seeing from me right now is my dabbling, my experimentation, my curious self. I'm, you know, I mentioned I'm writing another book. I'm working on some new companies. If you subscribe to my newsletter, you, you know, you'd see a lot of these things I'm sharing out there. I got a new puppy. I got, I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of interests that I'm mixing and mingling right now. And I do think having gone through this transition before that this is a really healthy way of moving forward. So it sounds like, um, you, you know, you've got other interests in painting. You had to step away from photography. If you find that what you are doing in all of these other things is really emboldening or growing your missing photography, you should absolutely re-engage yourself, the career that you had around the thing. Don't ignore your intuition and ignore anyone who tells you to ignore your intuition because in there is something that's very strong. Now, as far as evolving, what can you do to continue to expand your new chapters of your life by say, combining your photography with something new? That is the thing that I did with social media. That was combining photos and words. That was you know, I expanded in the area of moving pictures, right? I, I took still pictures and said, oh, well, we, now if we put moving pictures, I made videos and did directed television commercials and TV shows and that's pictures, but moving pictures and it's pictures, but it's with audio and it's pictures, but there's a different distribution scheme and there's a whole new set of players and people. So it's, it seems natural to me to continue to evolve. I have gone through this. I want you to know you're not alone. This is very natural. If you're missing the thing, then allow yourself to re-engage with it. If you're missing some pieces of it, what can you do to bring those pieces along and eject the pieces that no longer serve you? And what I've come to know is this is going to be a lifelong process, right? We're going to constantly be evolving, inventing, and reinventing. And rather than being lamenting having to reinvent what if we leaned into that to get uncomfortable all over again? All right. Hope that helps. Um, thank you very much for being vulnerable and sharing your journey. Um, and I hope that helps. Okay. We're moving on. This is Zita. Hi, Chase. Uh, I think it's uh, super freaking fantastic 
this opportunity to talk to you. I would like to ask you to talk about your avalanche accident, how this uh, accident uh, inspired you to go to the next level. I have just uh, lost my mother and uh, I think a near-death experience and uh, losing somebody important to us inspire us to look through the lens of death, which uh, sounds I think frightening first, but uh, I think it can be inspiring too. Thank you for your answer. Thank you, Zita, for the question. Again, I'm, I'm, there's so much of this stuff that's in creative calling, and I realize the opportunity to ask questions beyond just the words that you see written on these pages is uh, irresistible, and I love that. Uh, and so I'm trying to give you answers beyond what you can find in the book. But I do want at this point to, if you have not read the book, um, refer to what Zeta's talking about is there's a story and I have been, um, haven't done a lot of talking about it, but I talked about, I was in an avalanche, uh, while shooting a commercial for Nike, uh, up in Alaska, a number of years ago. And I, by all accounts, just looking at the, the scene and understanding all of the different, um, combination of challenges that I faced in being caught in this avalanche, I should be dead by every measure. So it's like survival from this kind of thing is like a, you know, is a 0.1% kind of deal. So it absolutely helped me understand and get serious and transform my life. And I was at the time, I would consider myself satisfied with where I was in the photography world. Again, I was out there shooting for Nike and unlimited helicopter budget, doing what I loved in a place that was amazing with people and, you know, brands. And, and I, by most measures was, um, satisfied, but is in that sort of satisfaction that on reflection, the same night after I had survived that accident, I found myself staring at the ceiling, asking myself these very questions. Um, it's also something worth, um, noting that Early on in the book and in my life here, I'll share that the thing that made me pick up photography in the first place was a similar sort of dissatisfaction with the inputs that I was getting from all the other places in the world. And it was tied to my grandfather's very unexpected passing. He died of a heart attack dead on the garage floor without any you know, foresight. No one knew this was going to happen. He wasn't sick or ill or, and I was given his camera. So I think a couple of messages. One is that our ability or the, the, the kicker that, that very hard things in life has the effect that those things have on us, causing us to question, causing us to ask, you know, for more meaning or look for more meaning, those, they often provide great inputs, despite how painful or tragic or all of the negatives around that. And the positives that I took out of both of those very traumatic experiences was changing myself, was what am I doing right now that I don't want to be doing and how can I do more of the things that I do want? And so whatever, I, you understand, I, you lost your mother. I'm incredibly sorry and very, very sad to hear that full stop. What you do with that will be up to you. And what I did with those things was up to me indeed. And it made me realize that I was getting, I had gotten comfortable. I was, um, safe in the work that I was doing. Not, not physically, obviously from the avalanche, but emotionally what I was doing was safe. 
And I realized that I had other ambitions and curiosities that needed to be explored that I wanted to explore. And it was that near death moment that brought that very clearly into view. Now, my ambition with sharing you, your story here, your question and my story in the book, which again, I highly recommend because there's a bunch more context. I'm not going to give you the details of the avalanche. That's very well recounted in the book, but my ambition in sharing this and sharing it in the book and here with you today on the show is I want it to not have to happen that way. I do not want major life traumas to be the dominant way that we challenge ourselves, that we look for new and different growth. Because we could decide one day while watching a Sunday football game that we want to do that, and it would be much less painful and quicker. Now, I realize that that is maybe not how the, the human psyche works, but that's specifically the reason I want to invite anyone who's listening. Are you able, can you get started on your new big, hairy, audacious, precious dream without having to have something incredibly traumatic happen to you or in your life? Is that possible? Because that would be my goal. Having gone through those things, looking back and wow, that gave me the courage to do X. What could you do today without having had that input to pursue this next chapter of your one precious life. Thank you very much, Zita. This is Perry. What five things would a current Chase Jarvis tell a younger Chase Jarvis? I don't have notes for this question, so this is going to be rather raw. Um, one is I was told that it's not that easy. And I have come to understand, in contrast to all of the messages that I received as a younger person and even today and that I see out there in the world that it actually is that easy or rather it's simple. It's not that simple. It actually is that simple. Are you taking care of yourself? Have you worked on the things that you want to work on? And if you are doing those things and enriching your life and the lives of those around you, then it really can be that simple. Now, simple is different than easy, right? Simple. The, the ingredients, the inputs are pretty clear. It's, it's doing all of that work in the face of challenge, in the face of adversity, in the face of it takes you to scary places. That is, I would say, the number one thing. And in that thing, there are a couple of other challenges. So I would say, hey, younger Chase, um, can you regulate your own emotions? Can you experience grief? Can you find, can you go through pain? Can you uh, not let euphoria cloud sort of your judgment? Can you regulate your emotions? And if you can't, or maybe even just the advice I would give younger Chase is like, hey, do a really good job. Focus on this because this takes work. This is like many other things in life that seem like characteristics or attributes. They are actually skills that you can learn. Uh, another thing I would say to younger Chase is communication is key. You are in this life with lots of other people. People have different styles you recognizing people that you align with and don't align with and being able to communicate across a wide variety of people types and including being able to communicate honestly with yourself is a huge skill 
the way we develop all skills like muscles is by repetition. And can you repeat all of the things that you want to do to be able to communicate well in the world? Can you can you find forums to do that? Can you hold yourself accountable? Because being able to communicate ideas, even that you love or that you uh, want to uh, change or that you want to um, evolve or say the same or that you're grieving or that you're joyful, all of these things, they are val- it's more valuable if you can communicate them to yourself, if you, you have a real honest dialogue with yourself and with others. So again, it really is that simple to sort of regulating your emotions because they can cloud your judgment and um, sometimes knowing when to ride your emotions and when to um, be more aware of them, wariness. Um, Then there's the other piece, you know, this communication piece. And it's not five, but the last one I would uh, sort of direct you towards is awareness. Attention. In our culture, we seek attention. Attention is something we want to get. That is what we are conditioned to do. In actual actuality, attention is the only thing we have in life. We literally, that's all we have is the focus. And the experience that we have of life is directly proportional to our, what we are directing our attention toward, whether those are emotions, whether toward the world, toward others, towards ourselves. How can you Chase, remember, younger Chase, if you can get good at directing your attention, you will um, be happier and I believe be able to be more fulfilled. Attention is the only thing we have in this life. You Use the tool of attention intentionally so that you can direct it as you choose and you will be able to not just accomplish things, but be able to be the human being that you want. I'm guessing those are a little bit more ambiguous than the things that you wanted me to say, but such is life. I get to answer the question the way I want to. So uh, I do love the question of, you know, the the reflection, younger, younger question. So I hope that helped. Now we're going to hear from Patty. Hi, Chase. Uh, Number one, your wisdom is amazing. And I so enjoy your podcast. So thank you for being who you are and what you're doing in this world. So I am a 55 year old woman who is reinventing herself. I have three boys and I am a new empty nester. And um, looking at this next chapter of my life as um, something that's quite amazing. I plan to live to 101 well. (laughs) Um, So one of the things I've done as this empty nest has occurred is I've been film acting. And I've been in eight films already and a couple commercials for the first time in my life. And it's what I've always wanted to do. And it's incredible. And I'm happy with that. However, with this creative ADHD double Gemini brain that I have, I have five to six other projects. And the question is, how do I stop the paralysis by analysis? I am literally paralyzed by analyzing the right way to do things and when to do it and who to talk to and how to get there. And I will find that weeks and sometimes months will go by and I haven't moved forward an inch 
into the one project, the two project, three, the four. Help. Okay. Patty, you're not alone. Your, your question is, again, simple but not easy. The answer to your question is simple, and it is that if you find yourself analyzing too much, you have to stop that process and you have to you know, take action instead of living in your intellect. It is through doing other things that you will realize and learn more things about what you need to do next. You cannot sort it all out from the couch, even from you know wherever you do your thinking, long walks on the beach. We often mask the preparation part for actually doing the work. Now, I, I believe deeply in that prescription. The place where it is um, not easy is in your awareness that you're cogitating rather than taking action. If you can learn to direct your awareness, like, oh gosh, I'm doing that thing. What can I go do to just move one project forward in any way, in any factor? In any, and I, for what it's worth, I also like having a handful of different projects that I'm working on. When I get blocked on one, I move to another that gives me a sense of momentum. Now, I don't want to have 10 novels. I'm not trying to build five houses at the same time. I'm not. You need to understand what's right for you and have a couple small, a couple medium, and a couple large. I, again, articulate this very clearly in my book, Creative Calling. But you need to, as you've already been become aware, get out of your head and get into action. The way you do that is by an awareness practice, gratitude practice. How can you learn to direct your attention such that you are aware that you are doing that? And then the prescription for doing it, writing on a piece of paper, sticking it to your bathroom mirror, is that when I feel stuck, I will take action. I will move one thing forward with one project and I will repeat that process. Again, simple but not easy. I wish you all kinds of luck, but more than luck is actually just doing the work. And congratulations on your acting. That's also really, really cool. All right. That wraps it up for the first, I guess, most recent AMA. I love this process so much, in part because I love hearing from you all in the community. When I sort of this this, this call and response, this relationship that we have, it brings me a lot of joy. Uh, and it it's just a great connective tissue that there are real humans that are interacting out there in the world on you know, these platforms through my newsletter and whatnot. So A, thank you for being in the community. B, thank you for those who did submit questions. And if you did not submit questions, don't worry. Uh, there'll be more opportunities. In fact, I've got a bunch of other questions that I'm going to make another one of these episodes with this original ask. And it made me realize that I'm going to do more of these things. Um, so gain the courage to show up and ask your question, because if you have some question, the reality is that our community is large enough that probably a thousand other people have that or a similar question. So um, just want to say thank you so much for contributing. I hope you have an amazing Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States. And if you are elsewhere, then you know, the ability to give thanks and be thankful um, is not limited to one day or one culture or one country. So see if we can do to practice a little gratitude today. Uh, thanks again for being in this community. Until next time, I bid you adieu. All right. Hey, before you go, thanks so much for listening. And if you got value from this show, chances are your community will too, right? In the particular lies the universal. Please share this link to the show with a friend or mention the show on social. That is a huge benefit for us in hopefully in exchange for providing value to you. 
I want you to know that I really appreciate your time, the attention, anything that you give to the show and the questions that you ask our guests either on social media or through my text community. All of that is pure gold. This community, like any community, is a testament to that old phrase, a rising tide floats all boats. And by elevating one another, by sharing and resharing this show, the tidbits that you learn and the experiences you take away, all of that has a collective, massive positive impact on the world. So just a quick thank you. I appreciate all the effort you put into sharing for this show. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together. Together.